200 plus kids at our Aunt Palooza Week this past week. It was amazing to be able to see these kids learning some of the foundational truths of scripture about God and a relationship with Jesus. I mean, it's truly incredible to be able to be a part of it and just to be able to see it too, it really is. Um, I wanted to today focus on one of the days um, and the bottom line for that day was live like you know Jesus is alive. And kind of one of the underpinning statements was knowing that Jesus wants to be our friend forever. And that seems kind of basic, but really as we look at this scripture for, for today, which is the memory verse of the week, which the game was about, you guys all said that together. Um, I kind of wanted to just read that one more time for you and look at that a little bit more. I've come so they may have life. I want them to have it in the fullest possible way. And when, when I continue to read that, more things begin to come the more I read it. And it said, you know, this is Jesus talking again. It says, I have come. This is the reason why Jesus came. He's telling us this was Jesus's purpose. I've come so that you would have life. This is why he came. The problem is most of us try to find this full life without Jesus. I remember a couple years back when I was coming to this area and I was gonna go study at ODU from Woodbridge, Virginia. I was living in a place called Ocean View down in Norfolk. And um, man, I thought I had it all planned out. I saved up enough money to be able to last me through till, till I got to school and school started. And I figured maybe I would find a job or, or, or do what I needed to do just to get by. I figured I'd be prudent. I would, I, would, I would kind of be smart with my money and make it last. But as soon as I got here, I realized, you know, it didn't take me long to figure out I wasn't gonna last. I needed to get a job. I needed to get a job. And so I started doing what I, what I felt like I should have done, putting out applications and talking to people and came up with some odd jobs to make a little bit of money here and there, but nothing consistent, nothing reliable. And so I, I started uh, starting to get a little, a little hesitant and, and uh, nothing, nothing was coming up for me. And so I started to get a little desperate. You know, one of the cool things about living in Ocean View was I was right across the street from the bay. It was really incredible. If my apartment complex was right here, it was the road and then the bay was right there. And so I've found myself at the bay many nights on these gorgeous nights that we have here in the summer. And, and that kind of became my prayer place. I remember maybe two or three times I found myself on my knees asking God when I was really in this desperate place, my money was kind of coming to nothing essentially, and I wasn't really gonna make it and I needed something. And so I was, I was just desperate and I was asking God, you know, I'm, I'm in the sand, knees getting all sandy. You know you don't care anymore when you, your knees get all sandy. God, what do you want me to do? You know, what do you want for me? What do you want for my life? And as I look back from that time, I realized that life to the fullest begins on your knees. I've really found that to be true in my life. It begins on your knees. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to go back to that verse. I love what one of my Regent University professors says. He says, you can know a verse by the verses that it hangs around. Okay, you can know a verse by the verses that it hangs around. And so I started looking at some of the other verses that come before and after this particular verse. I saw a sort of theme starting to happen. Um, and, and Jesus kind of was repeating himself. And, and these are some of the things that he said. In John 10, 3, he said, the sheep recognize his voice and they come to him. John 10, 4, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my sheep, which is us, right? We're the sheep. I know my sheep and they know me. 
John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. They listen. I know them and they follow me. John 10, 28, I give them eternal life. And when I heard that eternal life part, there's a lot in some of those, in some of those earlier scriptures, but for some reason my mind kind of went to this verse that I'm familiar with in John 17, 3, and what it says is, now this is eternal life. So the Bible kind of defines what eternal life, it, maybe the summation of it really is, and what it says is, this is eternal life that they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. And so, really, this big picture started to come together for me. It made me realize that what this life has ever been about, and what eternal life is even, the life to come, what it's all about is just knowing Jesus. I mean, it's really as simple as that. You know, there's, there's some complex things in the Bible, but the simplicity is that we would have a relationship, that we would know him that we would be listening to him, that we would be getting down on our knees and, and trying our best to understand, to recognize when he talks to us and what he's saying and what, what he wants us to do, the, the plans that he has for us and that we would ultimately follow him when he speaks to us because he will speak. I believe that he always speaks when we passionately and earnestly pursue him. And so as I continued to think about this, this verse, I went to a different translation, which I like to do from time to time. So the New Living Translation of this particular verse, John 10, 10 says, my purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. Thought that kind of helped to illuminate what this scripture means a little bit more, that Jesus' definition of a full life is sometimes different than ours is, right? And he brings this richness and this satisfaction to life that we can't get without him. We just simply can't get it. We can't find it. We always try to pursue it. We always think that we can, that we can get, get close and attain it, but we just never can quite get there without a relationship with him. You know, it's, it's these things like love and joy, peace. You know, when the peace of God comes into your heart, man, it's an amazing thing. It really is. It, all the anxiety, all the stress, all the worries, they just seem to subside. And this peace of God, this rest that comes with a relationship with Jesus, this satisfaction in life that you can't find anywhere else but knowing that you're in God's will, that, that you're listening to him, that he's, he's leading you and you're following him. I mean, that you can't put a price on it and you can't find it anywhere else. They come from a life with God. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Started thinking about that and I realized that not only did Jesus come to give us life, but he says, I am the life. Like I'm it, like it's found in me in no other place. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Literally, I'm it. And so it's only found in Jesus when we go to him and when we pursue him, when we seek him, when we listen to him, when we follow him. You know, Jesus came to give us life to the fullest. Life to the fullest. I love that. I simply love that. You know, but life to the fullest is only found in a friendship with Jesus. One of the underpinning statements, uh, like I said, was that Jesus wants to be your friend forever and we need to live like Jesus is alive. You know, I think many of us, we get caught in the cycle of life and, and we start living like maybe Jesus is not alive. Like maybe Jesus, we're not in a relationship with him. We're not pursuing him. We're not listening to him on a regular basis. We're not seeking him, seeking his face and his, his guiding hand. We start living like 
Jesus is not really here. When he is, he is fully alive and he will speak to you if you choose to follow him. So um, I, wanted to, I wanted to talk about a book that Michael Simone gave me and, and Michael has a lot of books. Okay, and Michael has given me some books, but this particular, this particular book is interesting for the simple fact that he said, this is the book that changed my life. So when people say something like that, I personally, I'm like, okay, like this, this is that important to you, that you would say that this book changed my life. And so I really leaned in and I started reading this book. It has some very interesting things to say about parenting. The book is called How to Really Love Your Child. I would suggest that you get this book and that you read it. It has a lot of great things in there. It's written by a guy named Dr. Ross Campbell. He's a, he's a MD, Christian MD psychiatrist. He, he really, uh, over years, kind of culminated a bunch of research and found three principles in parenting that we should be focused on. They're, they're fairly simple to understand, but I think I've realized that they're so, so powerful. And so I wanted to read just a little excerpt from this book for you. And um, the three are eye contact, appropriate physical, physical touch, and focused attention. Okay, focused attention is where I wanted to focus. It's giving a child full, undivided attention in such a way that the child feels without a doubt completely loved that the child is valuable enough in his or her own right to warrant the parent's undistracted watchfulness, appreciation, and uncompromising regard. In short, focused attention makes a child feel like the most important person in the world in his or her parent's eyes. I thought that was so powerful to me that something so simple as just giving your child attention really does fill the emotional tank and, 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 and really convey an unconditional love to your child that sometimes maybe we neglect. And with phones and TV and, and so many distractions in this world, it's getting harder and harder, I believe, to really give that undivided full attention to our children and, and many of our other relationships as well. It goes on and says, it's also during times of focused attention that parents can take special opportunities to make the eye contact, okay, that, and, and also the physical appropriate physical contact with the child, it's during times of focused attention that eye and physical contact have stronger meaning and impact on a child's life. It goes on to talk about a story that really kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. It talks about this family that, um, that had a lot of children and the, the last child that they had, they weren't able to give as much attention to. And they talked about how they dearly, they dearly loved all of their children. Of course, equally, said her parents loved her dearly, but the child did not feel it, and so she did not know it. That really, really just pierced me, and, and I think really relates and, and is a principle that we can all live by in the sense that we can really love people, we can love our children, we can love our friends and our family and the people out there in this world, but if we don't show it in a way that they can understand it, they don't know that we love them. They don't understand it. And it, it's especially true with our, with our children. And there's love languages, um, if you guys are familiar with that, it's a very similar principle that we need to express love in a way that people can receive that love. And that's on our part to go the extra mile on trying to understand what that really means in terms of our relationships, especially with our children. You know, I think I really felt, um, 
felt convicted about this verse because, you know, after, after a long days of work, not to say that my days are always super long, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not, um, but after a long day's work, I go home and sometimes my, my first thing that I want to do when I get in the house is not always show my child or my wife undivided, focused attention. You know, as, as, um, as much as, as it's, that's not a conscious decision, it's just unconsciously maybe there's things that I need to do, things that I'm still thinking about. I want to change my clothes. Maybe I need to take the trash out. Maybe I need to use the restroom. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to complete my honeydew list. Can I get an amen on that? And... Um, and, and there's just things that, that kind of come up. And, you know, at times I've realized, and, and my wife is probably more uh, cognizant of, of what is going on in a particular situation, but my baby will be crying, you know, down on, on the ground. And, and uh, sometimes, you know, I'll come by and give her a pat on the head and keep going, and I'm taking out the trash, and I'm doing something else. And I come back, and she's still crying, and, and maybe I just give her a little kiss, and I, and I keep going. And my wife is sitting there like, all she wants is, is your attention. You know, that's all, that's all she wants. And when I realized this, of course, what she's known all along, which applies to many other things in, in this life for, for me. Um, but, you know, I pick up my child, and sure enough, I mean, she's hysterical, she's crying, and then I pick her up, and, I mean, everything, like the world order is restored, and she's happy and smiling her two little front teeth. She's just about to be a year old. This is Briley Page Fretz right here, um, growing so quickly, but, you know, that beautiful smile comes back out, and, and she's just happy as happy and content as can be. And it's amazing that when I just showed my child, my focused attention, looked her in the eyes, gave her a little hug and a kiss. I mean, she was, that's all she wanted. And I think it goes the same with many of our other, you know, larger children, even other, our other family members, our spouses, and our relationships in the world. If we will show them some of these practical things like eye contact, you know, not being on your phone and having a conversation halfway, kind of, you know, on your computer, emailing or doing other things, like really really giving people your, your undivided attention. And, and when they say something funny, you know, touch them on, on, on the elbow or, or you know, sh when they, you shake someone's hand, really, really embrace them and really show them something different than this world is getting farther and farther and farther away from, but something that is so simple but can mean so much. We really give our, ch our children, I think, the best uh, we, we set them up in the best position to succeed in this life. And that's really a lot of what, of what uh, Dr. Campbell talks about is, is um, when we do these things with our children, he really believes that, that we leave them in a position to succeed in many areas in this life when it comes to relationships and self-esteem, confidence, uh, relationship with their parents. And, and I think what I'm starting to realize is in the same way that our relationship with God begins with an unconditional love from God, I think in the same way we lead our children to God with unconditional love to them. And we convey it through simple principles found in this book. You know, said another way, I think a child's opportunity to have life to the fullest many times starts in the home with our parenting. You know, I think I'm really starting to understand some of that. And, and, and reading this book, I think this, this book is really going to change my life too just like it changed Michael's life. And so a life to the fullest is found, I think ultimately the hope is that it's found in Jesus. You know, it's not, you know it didn't say that, uh, that the dad came so that you would have life. It didn't say your grandma came so that you would have life. 
said Jesus came. You know, that's, I think we can rest in that and we can have hope in that, that we can do our best as parents, but ultimately it's on Jesus who brings the increase. He always does the work. We can plant the seeds and prepare the soil, but he is going to do the growth. And so as I welcome Michael Simone up, I just wanted to thank you for giving us this opportunity and, and to be able to just be a part of the Palooza this week. I was just so truly honored and it was such a pleasure for me to welcome some rising fifth graders who will hopefully join us in our EDGE program next year. I'm so excited to do a, another ministry year and, and uh, give Michael a round of applause as he comes up. I have a 45 minute message planned from Leviticus. Those who would like to leave may leave now. Actually, this will be something I think very special. Um, this book, Cooper and Cat, by Jen Sneller, is a really special book. And it's a special book because it's really talking about what Eric just talked about and what the Palooza is all about. And so I do uh, highly recommend that you pick one up and you sit down with a child somewhere in the next day or so, and you give that child focused attention, and you read them this book. Because so often we go, well, how do I teach kids about God, or how do I teach them about God's unconditional love? If you read this book, you will become a teacher of love to a child. And this book is already signed to my grandchildren, and I look forward to, to reading it with them in the next couple days. Cooper and Cat. Cooper was a kind and caring rat who spent the day with his friend Cat. Cat and Cooper were a sight to see, about as different as two could be. One was big, the other was small. Cat lived in a house and Cooper the wall. Cat's fur was soft and silky, mostly black and a little bit milky. Cooper was brown and rather stout, with crazy fur that all stuck out. Cooper liked to nibble on stinky cheese, while Cat preferred cookies with fancy teas. The two of them were out one day, just passing some time along the bay. When out from the water hopped a curious frog, who began to stare from atop his log. The frog was confused by the unusual pair, he felt uneasy as he continued to stare. Excuse me, he called out to Cat. Is he bothering you? Referring to Rat. Cat looked up with complete surprise and a bit of sadness filled her eyes. No, my dear frog, no bother is he. He's my very best friend, don't you see? Frog blinked his eyes, not sure what to think, but something inside him started to sink. Cat continued, what makes us friends isn't outside. Inside your heart is where love resides. God made each one of us, no two the same. He made us just perfect in his son's name. Frog sat for a moment and began to ponder, then leaped from his log and started to wander. Could it be true, he thought, we all love the same and it makes no difference from where we've came? Frog realized it didn't matter if you were tiny or tall. It didn't matter, not one bit at all. What's on the inside is what's true. Faith, hope, 
And love is what makes you, you. We've all been blessed with gifts from above. The greatest of all is our ability to love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 is notated right at the end of the book. And so you might want to do what I did, which was I got that put on a card and I just stuck it in the back so you'd be ready to, to read that to your child. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You see, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so this John 10, 10 truth about, in the old translation that I remember from, from way back, he came that we might have life and to have it abundantly. The, the abundant life begins now, but it lasts forever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for a service where we could see love and sing about love and, and understand that love, abundant love, comes through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that we can teach that in Promised Land and teach that in Rock City and teach that in student ministry and teach that in women's Bible studies and teach that in men's ministry and teach that in faith and life classes and teach that here every Sunday, Father. Father, change our lives through love. We're honored to share your love with those who are hurting today. We're honored to share your love with those who need to know that, that you love them today. Father, thank you for allowing us to be your church. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.